Welcome back to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features folks from all walks of life telling us of one childhood experience and how that event, that moment, impacted who they are today. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've had my share of childhood experiences, some of them very positive and some of them actually quite painful. But I'd like to think that everything that ever happened to me has made me who I am today. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by... Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's classics, One Little Act of Kindness, and I've Got Peace in My Fingers, both available wherever quality books are sold. They're the perfect gift for the holiday season for the little ones in your life. All right, today I have as my guest, Molly Dunn. Molly is a disabled writer and former student of mine. She has worked in the United States Senate, earned a graduate degree from Oxford, and spent time in Chicago psych ward. Her weekly podcast, Ketamine Insights, explores mental illness and psychedelic medicine from a patient's perspective. Welcome to Tell Me What Happened, Molly Dunn. Thank you so much, Mr. Rehack. I was wondering if you were going to say Mr. Rehack or Jay. You were a former student of mine back in the day, Molly, and you were a great student. That's right. It's it's hard to it's hard to shift into J, but I could try if you'd prefer. Either way, whatever makes you feel comfortable. I'm grateful that you're on the show. I'm grateful that you are still talking, you know, to me in any capacity. You know, it's been a while <laughs> and everything, and I'm, I'm grateful to know you. So, Molly, are you ready to tell your story? I am. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to get out of the way. What I'm going to do then is I'm going to let you tell your story, and at the end, I'm going to ask you just one question. And that one question is, how do you think that childhood experience has influenced who you are today. So take it away, Molly. Thank you. So first I'm going to say that memory can be a little strange for me these days because about four years ago, I forgot everything. I went through what's now called electroconvulsive therapy. It's also known as ECT or back in the day was called electroshock treatments. And that was to try to help my lifelong depression. And what it did was it wiped away my memory completely, which is a known side effect. We knew that would happen. I couldn't remember my own biography for months. And still my brain does feel different. My mental stamina is just way worse than it used to be. I don't, I can't read books anymore. And my memory is really bad now, but I'm not, I'm never really sure whether any given lapse is because of ECT or if it's just, you know, normal forgetting. Everybody forgets their keys or forgets, you know, their wallet sometimes. And this can make storytelling a little weird for me in part because I think I treasure my memories now more than I did before ECT. And also I'm more unsure of them, but this one I'm pretty sure about, and it's about my grandmother who I was really close to. Both of my parents were raised Irish Catholic here in Chicago, and they decided not to raise my brother and I within the church. So we were not baptized, not confirmed. My parents weren't married within the church. And this was a very big problem for my grandparents at the time, especially my grandmother, who 
she used to yell at my mom about it. She used to yell at us about it. And like, for example, one time when I was real little, I went downstairs during a big family party and I found my grandmother in the back room of the basement, ironing furiously and crying to the ironing board. And I asked her what was wrong. And she said it was because we weren't baptized. And I, I honestly kind of doubt now that that was really why she was crying. But the point is, it was a big deal in my family at the time. And it bothered me a lot to think that big parts of my family, including my grandmother, thought that me and my brother were going to, you know, burn in hell, as far as I like, that was my understanding of it at the time. So we couldn't like, the thing about not being baptized within the Catholic Church is like, you can't really hide it. Because especially back then, like every family wedding and funeral and everything included a mass. And if you were baptized, you could go to mass, but you couldn't take communion. And that was always like public. You can tell at mass who takes communion and who doesn't. And so another little side story, when I was little, I went to Ireland a lot and there even family reunions. The priest came to the house when I was 11 um, in Ireland and gave a mass at the house and the house was so crowded that the priest had to walk around to every single individual and give them communion. And I was standing right next to my grandmother and I was the only person in the whole family who had to refuse communion. It was really embarrassing. It just felt really horrible. So anyway, this story is about me actually when we knew each other, Mr. Rehack, as uh, I was a sophomore at Whitney Young and uh, my grandparents came over to our apartment for dinner. And at some point, my grandma told us matter-of-factly that she hadn't been to confession since my uncle was born, which at the time was like 35 years previous. And my grandma just like gets into the story about how when that uncle was born and he was her fifth child, um, she almost died in childbirth, which my whole family had known. And the doctors told her, you know, don't have any more babies because it would be very dangerous for you. So she's got five kids, you know, like, it's a scary proposition, obviously, not to be around to raise those kids or to have a sixth. So she didn't know what to do. So she went to her local priest, her local parish priest. And she said, she went to confession. And she told the story, you know, the doctors tell me not to have any more kids, what should I do? And the priest said, why don't you try living with your husband as brother and sister? And she doesn't like my grandmother didn't mess around and she was a really smart and quick woman. So she said, well, father, wouldn't that be a violation of my marriage vows? Which honestly is, you know, it's a great point. And the priest had no response for that. So she was, she went to a, another parish and to a different priest and went to the confession booth and asked the same question, told him the situation. And he said, uh, why don't you try that thing that they have now? What is it? The pill? And this was, you know, completely against the teachings of the Catholic Church. Uh, so she couldn't believe it. And she told all of us like very proudly, like, I haven't been in confession since. I don't think they know any more about God than I do. And everyone at the table was like, like, just flabbergasted. Like, what are you talking about, Grandma? And at the time, I was taking AP European history from Mr. Tennyson. And the big class project of that semester was an in-class heresy trial for Martin Luther. And I was one of Martin Luther's defense lawyers. So I was like really steeped in what Martin Luther had taught and how he disagreed with the teachings of the Catholic Church. And the way I understood it, one of Martin Luther's central teachings 
was basically exactly what my grandmother had said at dinner, which was, you know, the church and its priests don't have a direct line to God. And I just couldn't, I would have never said this to her at the time, but I was thinking to myself, like, Grandma, you're a Lutheran. Like, this is not, you're not a good, you know, quote, good Catholic. And it blew our minds because we had spent so many years thinking we were the, the sacrilegious ones or something, you know, like we were the ones that weren't following the rules. And it was just such a shocking story at the time. And I never forgot it. So that's my story, Mr. Rehack. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> your your grandmother was radical in her own way, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I feel your grandmother's uh, sense, sensibility, and in terms of your life, I can't imagine after having sort of been mourned over the fact that you weren't baptized, and then she's telling you this story, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> You're, you are a Lutheran. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, I don't want to take your story. I mean, I want to interpret your story. I want you to interpret your story. So how do you think that moment, that experience, your grandmother's revelation impacted who you are today? I think, I mean, on the one hand, like, I completely agree with her. You know, I I don't think the Catholic Church or priests or anybody, you know, has a more direct line necessarily than you do or I do or my grandmother did. I think it's like, I try to let that story like remind me that we're all really full of internal contradictions. And also like, it's important maybe to try not, this is something that I struggle with is like to try not to shape your lives according to what other people want from you in part because it, they don't care as much as you do, but also <laughs> in part because like they're, they're, wants might not make sense you know like it just might be kind of nonsensical in the end and also I think like the most to me like the the most beautiful part is like similar to what you're doing here is that like we often don't bother to ask for stories especially from the people we love especially from the people we're closest to live with every day we think we know what motivates them and how they came to be the people they are or we don't think it's our place to ask or something like that. And I think like, if you really, you know, even if you just start to scratch to the surface, it'll, it's mostly whenever I've done that, it's usually surprising. And there's a lot more kind of wisdom and insight and intricacies than you might expect when you're filling in the blanks yourself. Yeah, it's so true that stories, especially from people who are sort of your adults in your life the the older folks mm -hmm. in your life the, the parents the grandparents etc when you get a deeper insight it's it, it changes everything the paradigm shifts i guess is what i'm trying to say and then you realize wait a minute i've been sort of living my life assuming something that's not actually true and maybe things are deeper than i realize well again i don't want to get into my own family history but I identify tremendously with, you know, what you're talking about. But I, again, it's not my story, so I'm going to leave that alone. Now, let me ask you, we talked before the show, and you said that you actually had written a sestina, which is to say a, a significant poem regarding your, your grandmother and your relationship with her. Can you read that for us or say that for sure. us? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, so this poem is about that same grandmother, and it is called Us Together. The two of us were alone together, twice in our lives, sick. We each took a turn. We cared for the other. 
we loved actively. To me, she was more than grandma. And in death, I find that she is not gone. Tomorrow, they say she'll be 12 years gone. And only today, I realized that we were together when I had scarlet fever, that it was grandma who sat by my side, confident, competent with the sick. It was happenstance. My parents worked, but her love would mean the world for decades. Her care would be a hope, a prize. I cared so much about her judgments, still ringing years after she's gone. She was so mean, but I knew, I knew about her love because she'd nod at me quickly in approval because we'd been together when I was sick. I didn't see until today that it had been grandma. When, after years, I came home and hugged my grandma, felt how frail she had become. It took my breath. I cared. And I stayed with her then. I held her sick until, only months later, she was gone. I would dream for years of us, back together, healthy or sick, confident, and competent in our love. My memories of her taught me the thing about love, how it travels not just distance, but time. Grandma, who surely baptized me in secret, who, together with so many of us, hid through drink our caring, our pain, our loneliness for each other. In a way, she was often gone. In a way, we were both so sick all along the kind of sick one lives with, despite love, because of love. We thought she'd never die. Now, 12 years gone, when I love, when I turn my clotta inward, I think of grandma. Me and her, we do nothing more than care. That's not an easy way to be. Thank God we're in this together. Beautiful. Thank you very much for that. You know, uh, I, this is my 50th podcast and that's my first poem. So I appreciate that. Ah, it makes nice. Me, I happen, you know, I'm, I was an English teacher. So, you know, I love original poetry. It moves me and I actually have re read it and reread your piece on that. And I will take another look at it afterwards just because hearing it, you hear some pieces, but then you got to kind of read it again. That's my view. So if you don't mind, I might put it on the website. Sure. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. Underneath your uh, bio, uh, just so people can take a, a second look if they wanted to. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Molly. I really, really appreciate it. I haven't seen you in 5,000 years, and it's great to see yeah. you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking me, Mr. React. This is great. I really appreciate the chance to share a little story about my grandmother and to catch up with you again. Yeah, it, it's great. And actually, I enjoyed listening to Ketamine Insights. I don't, I didn't know about it, actually, how it works or whatever. And now uh, listening to you is, is pretty interesting. You, you, you have a partner with that, right? Isn't there another woman that works with you on that? I do. Uh, yeah, it's an old friend of mine named Lynn Schneider. She is the co-host and the two of us kind of, you know, talk about uh, mental health and psychedelic medicine and the idea is it's from a patient's point of view. So that's kind of a, a voice that I feel like is is lacking in the mental health conversation. So it's been a lot of fun to do. We just published our eighth episode today, actually. 
Hey, congratulations. Well, I'll be sure to take a look at that. And I'm also going, I will actually link it again on, on the website. So uh, people who would be interested will be able to pick it up. I'm assuming on Apple Podcasts and other, other mm-hmm. menus, right? Yep. Fantastic. All right. So that's our show. I'd like to thank my guest, Molly Dunn. Also like to thank our sponsors, Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books. Again, go out there and get Susan Salador's I've Got Peace in My Fingers or One Little Act of Kindness for the little person in your family for the holidays. I'd also like to thank LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. It's free. We keep it for you forever. You can also download the app on Android or iPhones. All right, I'm going to end this show in honor of Molly Dunn's relationship to her grandmother, which is complicated, but I believe in the end was love-based. So we're going to end it with Susan Salador's classic, Love Reveille. So until next time, this is Jay Rehack asking you all to please stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody. Love Reveille. Supposed to wake up our hearts. I love you, I love you, I love you. Every I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, and all that you have to say. I see you, I see you, I see you, and all the kind things you do. I love you, I love you, I love you, just because you're you.